Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We are so excited to share our third Wednesday service with you. If you want any information about how you can get connected, text FCOCYA to 313131. We hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you next month for our next third Wednesday. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to third Wednesday. Come on, do this for me. Look at the person to your right and to your left. Be friendly. Turn around. Say hello to the people behind you. The people in front of you, if you have people in front of you, say what's up, what's up, what's up. Great to see all of you tonight. In case we haven't met, uh, my name's Cody, and I uh, just have a really special night planned here, um, but so excited you came. I want to say first and foremost, welcome back if you are returning. If you're brand new, man, we're just so excited that you're here tonight and want to say a special welcome to all of you. Shout out to everyone listening back on our third Wednesday, the podcast edition. Uh, let's cheer and say hello to all of them listening back in the car, on the treadmill, walking the dog. Whatever, whatever it is that you're doing, we're glad that you're with us. And uh, tonight, we're just going to be sharing a little bit around a conversation. I know it seems maybe one-sided, um, but usually we kind of have, we really, from the beginning of these uh, third Wednesdays, wanted to create a space not only for us as young adults to gather, but really to make, to be intentional about building not a crowd, but building a community. And so tonight we're kind of gathered around this whole idea of purpose. This summer we've been talking about calling, we've been talking about career. Last month we talked about finances and money. And tonight we're going to kind of put a, a ribbon on all of that and t- talk about purpose, the thing that supersedes all of those other discussions. I want to say just before we kick off that uh, really from the beginning of this, we wanted to create a space where we could just have conversations around what it looks like to follow Jesus. So if you're in this place, you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want to say it's the perfect night for you to come just to observe what it means to follow Jesus. I think that this is a community that you can belong to before you ever believe what we believe. Certainly, we're going to create some space at the end of this service for people to make that step. But if you're just here tonight, maybe a friend brought you. Maybe you don't know how you stumbled into this. I met someone last month that found out about it on Instagram. I thought that was pretty cool. They're here at Third Wednesday. But uh, really, these, these, these nights are all about conversations about what it means to follow Jesus as a young adult and to come around topics that I think us as young adults um, should care about and should consider and really topics that should um, mark our, our experiences of faith. And so if you're here and you're just checking that out, man, we're glad that you're here and excited for tonight. Um, before we go any further, I just do want, want to do a little bit of housekeeping because I'm excited next month. Go ahead and pull out your calendars now. August the 18th. It's a special day that you need to know about because it's our next third Wednesday. We're calling it a celebration night. And uh, you say, what are we celebrating? On one hand, we're celebrating the end of our summer season, season two, uh, but we're looking forward to season three. And celebration nights are the chance for us to invite everyone that we know to do the biggest thing that we've ever done. And so we're going to have food next month. We're going to have um, some merch available. We've got a really special guest speaker that I'm not supposed to announce, uh, but we're just excited um, about next third Wednesday. And really next month, we're going to be kicking off a, a series that we're going to take all the way through the four months of season three. The series is going to be called For Your Health. And so the idea is uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says, the most important thing that you can do is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
So we're going to be taking the next four months and unpacking each of those topics. Really, what does it look like to love God with my whole self? I just believe God's plan for your life includes emotional health and relational wealth. Emotional health and relational wealth. And I think part of God's plan for your life includes all of you. And so we're going to be taking really the next four months to build towards what it looks like to be healthy in every area of our lives. I'm really excited about it. We've got some really cool conversations lined up for the fall, some really cool conversations lined up. I'm taking us all the way through the holiday season and through, if you can believe it, the end of 2021. My goodness, this year has flown by, but we're just really excited about it. It's going to be real cool. Tonight, we're talking about purpose. And um, I think it's one of those topics that maybe you're here and you know that any conversation around purpose, you're going, uh, this just gives me anxiety. Talking about my purpose, I'm on the edge of spiraling into an existential crisis. I don't know what my purpose is. Why does it have to be so hard to find my purpose? Everyone's talking about purpose. You give it, no, stop. Bieber said it, we all know purpose is important. And I just want to help set up this conversation. I'm not here to tell you what your purpose is, but I do think there's some things that I can offer to help you to find your unique purpose, to help you to find the thing that is purposed for your life. I want to share just from this title, From Dust to Dust. From Dust to dust. And I think purpose is we're talking about finding our purpose. What is my purpose? Wondering, is it, is it my position? Is purpose maybe my potential? Is purpose something in my life? Wondering what it is. I think it's something that we can all struggle with because many times you talk with people about purpose and they get on about a position. Talk with people about what their purpose is. They start talking about job titles. They start talking about responsibilities. They start talking about their resume. Really purpose has to be something deeper. Purpose has to be something in us that is that, it's that why factor. Purpose is why you wake up in the morning. Purpose is why you do what you do. Maybe without even thinking about it, purpose is the thing within you that just, this, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm wondering, do you know your why? Do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're in the place of life that you're in? That's what purpose, that's really what it is that we're after. It's something deep within us. And we're taking the time to do that because we can't allow purpose to just get lost in our position. Part of what you're here to do is bigger than your resume. It's bigger than the purposes, or it's bigger than the positions, because the reality is positions come and positions go. Many times you'll hold different positions throughout your life, but your purpose should remain the same. Start talking about corporate ladders. Can I challenge you? Your purpose has got to be deeper than that. We can't allow our purpose to just get lost in our position. I was reading recently that in the, the peak of the COVID-19 crisis, it was April 2020, that the unemployment rate had reached the highest it had reached in years. It had reached the highest level. The peak of it was 14.7%. It may seem like a small number, but 23 million people were faced with unemployment. Still, we're experiencing the effects, although that unemployment rate has dropped nationally, we're experiencing the effects of unemployment, particularly among young adults. Positions come, positions go. 
And they're fit, we're faced, I think this past year has been confronting in many ways with um, unemployment. And really I was reading this and kind of unpacking the last year and the effects of our post-COVID world. And the question that I was asking myself is I wonder how many people are spiritually unemployed? Thinking about to myself, we're faced with unemployment in many areas, but I wonder how many people are spiritually unemployed, how, how, how many people are here are without a purpose spiritually, struggling to find their purpose, struggling to understand their purpose. I just want to say, I know it's a cliche, but I just feel the responsibility for somebody here tonight. You have a purpose. Purpose isn't just something for those that are super bought into church. Purpose isn't just something for those that consider themselves to be a follower of Jesus. Your life has a purpose. And I know that may sound like a cliche, but I just need to remind some people here tonight, you have a purpose. You may be struggling to know your purpose, but it doesn't mean that you don't have one. You may be struggling to find your purpose, but can I just tell you, you have been designed for a reason. I think in order to find the thing that we're designed to live for, we have to dis really start from the very beginning. I love in the video, one of our leaders, Julius, said we start at the way back, the very beginning in, in the book of Genesis. Um, we, we begin to encounter the story of how everything came to be. One of the central themes in scripture is that God is at the center of it all. See, the thing about you read the story that is the Bible, the story of the scriptures, you you're encounter this idea that God is at the center of every part of our life, not just our church life, but God is at the center of all of our lives. And so to begin to unpack what it is that I'm here for really has to start at the beginning. And I, I want to take a moment tonight to kind of bring you on a journey. I want to teach a little bit, if that's okay with you. Yeah to bring you on a journey to help you with some, just some things I believe that'll help you to kind of stumble upon your purpose, for you to, to, to have this conversation even on the inside, to begin to unpack your purpose. Because I think for all of us as young adults, 18 to 30 really are purpose-defining years. These are the years, more than any other year, that you will spend trying to define your purpose and discern your purpose and discover your purpose and develop your purpose. By the time you get to the end of whatever the young adult years are, more often than not, your purpose would have been solidified. I just want to help some people here tonight that are maybe struggling to know what is their purpose, or maybe you ha can't articulate a sense of your purpose, but even to help you find it a little bit deeper, to find what it is your purpose is all about. So we come to this story, we, we go at the very beginning of the Bible, we hear about God creating everything. And see, I think many times in our life, we can consider God to be just this kind of like distant, far off person or far off being that maybe has understood that we created the world, but isn't really a part of my day to day life. I think really the story that the, the narrative would challenge to us is God is at the very center of all life. Actually, I would say it like this, God loves life. He loves your coming and your going. He loves all of our life. And the thing is that when we approach God, what we're met with is this big theological word called grace. See, when we're met with God, we're, we kind of have a sense where we understand that I am broken and that I am sinful 
I am selfish and prideful and lustful and deceiving. And so we're confronted with this idea that I am broken, but still we're met with a God who has his arms wide open and receives us. The word there is grace. And it's the starting point for all of our relationship with God. The very starting place when you come to know God is this word grace. Grace is the reality that God has welcomed me despite my brokenness. Ephesians chapter two verse eight says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, but it is the gift of God. For grace, you have been saved. Now the New Testament word for grace is this word charis. And charis, a better translation for it is a cause for joy. So think about this idea for a moment because when we approach God, the word that the Bible wants to give to us is he, when we're met with God in our brokenness, he gives us a cause for joy. What is the joy? Despite my brokenness, God has made a way for us to know him. So when God pours out grace on our lives, we respond with joy. Can I just say it like this? The natural response to grace is joy. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. For pain and suffering are momentary interludes, but joy is the thing because when we know the grace of God and when he pours out grace on us, we can have joy, true joy, lasting joy. Do you need joy tonight? Starting before your purpose, do you need a little bit of joy tonight? Can I tell you it's found in the grace of God? The natural response to grace is joy. And this is so important that we grasp because the kingdom of God is about these two things, God's grace and our joy. The kingdom of God, Paul writes, is not about eating and drinking, but about joy and power in the Holy Spirit. It's a moment where we say this whole thing is about God's grace and our joy. And I just believe that if we can understand God's grace toward us, if we can understand really God and his position towards us, it helps us to understand a little bit more about ourselves. So tonight, I just want to unpack two ideas, two points for you about purpose. Here's the first one. You are made from the dust. You're made from the dust. Not saying this as a put down, not saying this, that's like a, that's a bad put, that's a bad diss. If that's all you got, bro, like. <laughs> but I'm not just saying to say something mean and then at the end, you know, you ever meet people that are like, I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's actually like something really mean. <laughs> I'm just saying. And that's not what I'm saying tonight. I want to help us understand Genesis chapter two. It's the, it's the creation of humanity. The Bible says this about us. It says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. It was the breath of God that breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and became a living being. If we stop and think about it for just a moment, we come to realize there's nothing too special about us. On our own, there's nothing really too special about you and I. If we're just to pause and think for a moment, there's nothing too awesome about you and me. And from the Bible's perspective, it says that we are just dust. As many of us would know popular 
came up from the mud. Hey, came up from the mud. There it goes. The Bible says that we are just dust. Not glitter, not gold. There's nothing too special about dust, right? It's just like this. I mean, it's dust. I'm like, I'm reading this and I'm going, can it just be like something a little better? Like silver, something like, I thought I was precious. I thought I was special. I thought I has, no, the Bible says you and I are just dust. It can seem degrading, but I think the message that it wants to tell us, FCYA tonight, the message is that the most, the, the things that are most special about you come from God. The things that are most special about you come from God. On your own, it's just dust, but what makes you alive is the breath of God. I mean, just help us here tonight. Teach this for a moment. The thing that makes you most alive, the thing that makes you most human is the breath of God. When someone does something, we, we read count stories in history. We, we, we read about people who do evil acts. Well, what do we say? We say that they are inhumane, not human. Or when we read stories, people like Mother Teresa, we say that they are a great human. Can I suggest to you tonight that the things that are most special about you actually come from God? All of our best qualities are just a reflection of God. The things that we love about one another are just a reflection of God. When you meet someone, oh, I love their personality. Can I suggest the things that you love about them are just a reflection of who God is? They're trustworthy. They're honest. They love me unconditionally. They're there when I needed them the most. The things that we love about each other are just a reflection of who God is. The things that are most special about us it comes from the breath of God within us. It's the breath of God that makes you who you are, not just DNA, not just a sequence of cells, but the thing that makes you alive, the thing that makes you you, the thing that gives you purpose, the thing that makes you most human is the breath of God within you. When Adam and Eve were formed, it says they were formed from the dust and there was no shame in that. The shame came when they failed to be satisfied with that. The shame came from when they failed to, to, to recognize that the thing that was most special within them was the breath of God. And here's where I just want to help us, even as you're created from the dust, many of us would fall on one side or the other. See, on one side, there are many of us who feel like, oh, I'm just dust. We live our lives in a position of insecurity, feeling like, ah, oh, there's nothing special about me. We live our lives in a place where we go, ah, I don't have what it takes. From a position of having a low self-esteem. It's actually an inaccurate view of who you are. On one side, there's this low, ah, all I am, I got nothing. I, I, got, I don't have what it takes. It's low self-esteem, it's insecurity, crippled by the fear not being enough. On the other side, the opposite is when we try and cover up the dust. We try and pretend like there's more there than there actually is. 
that we're more special than we actually are. We live our life with a sense of self-deception, thinking that there's more to us than there actually is. And on one side or the other, it's either that we're not enough or that we're more than we actually are. And actually living in pride. And we do a lot. I, I thought to myself, man, we do a lot to try and cover up our dust, don't we? Man, we do a lot to try and pretty up our dust. You may have recognized here tonight, there are some good looking people around the room. This is a group of good looking people. Go ahead. Yeah, we could. Hey, there's no need to get all like, oh, is he talking about, uh, is he talking about? <laughs> there's no need to get or, or get all like tight booty about. No, go ahead and look at the people down your row. This is a group of good looking people. But can I just tell you tonight, we're just dust. You could hair, skin, nails, the right outfit, the Nordstrom, the sale is coming up, all of that. But at the end of the day, what does the Bible say? Is that we're formed from the dust and it's the breath of God within me that actually makes me, me. So I want to help us tonight. The thing that makes me, me is actually the breath of God. And the things that are most special about you is not hair, skin, nails, or anything outward. The thing that makes you most special is the breath of God within you. You're made from the dust, but alive with the breath of God. And what does this do? See, the Bible actually gives us this radical middle position where it's not on one side or the other, but it recognizes that we are formed from the dust, but alive with the breath of God. And actually, that revelation allows you to have an honest and accurate view of who you are. That it's not overestimating or underestimating the dust, but allowing me to see, just being okay with how God made me, but understanding that the thing that makes me me is the breath of God within me. To know that I'm dust on my own, by myself, it's just dust, but God, the, the breath of God within me is what allows me to be me, what allows me to be alive, what allows me to be the most human. And the story of the first creation, the story of Adam and Eve leads me to my second point because it wasn't just that they were made by God, but that they were made for others. The second thing I wanna to suggest to you tonight is not just that you're made from the dust, but that you're made for the dust. You're not just made from the dust, but you're made for the dust, from dust to dust. Genesis chapter two, verse 15 says, then the Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Now think of this for a moment. God made Adam from the ground and in just six verses later, tells him he's in charge of the ground. I'm thinking to myself reading this, I don't think it's actually a parallel. It's not just a coincidence. God says, I've formed you from this, but I'm sending you back to it. Not just formed from the dust, but formed, made for the dust. I don't think it's just a coincidence. God is actually saying to Adam, he's saying to us, he's calling him to the thing in which he came from. His purpose was hidden in his identity. You can't have purpose without an accurate view of your identity. 
but with an accurate view of an the, the view, the accurate view of who you are and the thing that makes you most special, can I suggest to you that your purpose is hidden in your identity? It's hidden in the thing, my personality, my gifting, my character, my story. It's a tip for your purpose. It's a suggestion. God might be trying to say to you tonight, what is my purpose? What am I calling you to? He's calling you to the thing in which you came from. See, there is this interesting idea in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit is called the breath of God. The Holy Spirit is referred to in scripture. The word spirit and breath in Hebrew are interchangeable. It's a double meaning of the word. The Holy Spirit is often called the breath of God. And what is the job of the Holy Spirit? The job of the Holy Spirit is to equip you for your purpose. What is that equipping called? Many translations would call it the uh, gifts of the Spirit. But it's actually, there's a better way, I think, to translate it. Because we started this thing talking about grace. The cause for joy carries, but the gifts of the Spirit is called the charismata, which a better translation for it would be called grace gifts. Grace gifts. Now hang with me here because this is, I'm almost to where I want to be for us tonight. I, I've taken a long time to set this up. But hang with me because this is so important. If there's one thing to hear, this is, this, is, this is the key to purpose right here because it is by grace that God has brought me to himself despite my dirt. And he has breathed into me the Holy Spirit for a purpose. By grace, God has brought me to him. And the response that we have is joy. And that joy comes by recognizing even in my dirt, God has made a way for me to know him and he has breathed into me the Holy Spirit for a purpose. I'm going to say it as plainly as I can. God breathes on you for you to get a job. God breathes on you to get a job. The Holy Spirit is the one who equips you for a purpose. And here's the thing. Grace is a, it's the joyful reality that even in my brokenness, God has brought me close. And he doesn't just bring me close, but he equips me with a gift. But the gift is not just for me. The gift is the very delivery mechanism for me to go back to the thing in which I came from. It's the delivery mechanism for me to go back into the world. God has created you not just from the dust, but for the dust. Think of the upper room at Pentecost. We would know the story, Acts chapter 2. Miracle, it's the birth of the church. Gathered there in the upper room, the very first disciples would gather and they were praying. And in a moment, the Holy Spirit would sweep through the room. And it would say that the breath of God or the Holy Spirit began to descend, speaking in tongues. There, from that day, the church was born. But watch this. It wasn't just about one moment, but there was immediately following Acts chapter 2, there was a job to do. See, the Holy Spirit breathes on us for us to, let me just say it like this. Purpose is not just something that you enjoy. Purpose is something you employ. Purpose, the thing in which God has called you to, designed you for, is a job to do. Not just a position, 
but a why, it's something deep within you for you to even begin tonight to understand the purpose, the very thing that God is calling you to is the thing. What are you made for? It's a job to do. See, Acts chapter two, if that were to happen in this room tonight, I have a feeling that, that we would have a moment where this would become a historical site. We'd gather in this room. None of us would ever want to leave. This would be like a ministries. We'd have like the Free Chapel Young Adult Upper Room Ministry. We'd have like worship services nonstop. And we have books that were written out of this place. And we have a moment where the Holy Spirit would descend and we'd say, this is amazing. We never want to leave this place. But can I tell you the whole reason that God breathes onto us, the whole reason he sends his spirit is to equip us for a job. It's just this simple. What is it that God is calling you to do? Not just on a superficial level, but on a heart level. The thing, like the, the thing that you know, the thing that God has placed within you, the thing that you have came from, what is it that God is calling you to do? See, this is the thing about this story to me, because in the moment of Pentecost, it wasn't just that God, it wasn't just something that they all sat around saying kumbaya and enjoyed God's spirit. It was actually the equipping for them to employ God's spirit. It was a job to do. And see, here's the thing for us tonight, because it's easy for us. See, I love Third Wednesdays. I actually believe, like this is my favorite night of the month. I don't know about all of y'all, but this is my favorite night. My favorite night. I love Third Wednesdays. And God can breathe, as we're going to hear in a moment, we're going to worship. We're going to believe that God is going to breathe on us tonight. The presence of God is here in this place. And in a moment, we're going to have this. But here's just what I've learned all this time. That actually, it's, I love these, these meetings. But God, the way God actually works is that meetings like this, they don't actually change the world. The point of this is what happens tomorrow. And I know I've taken a long time to set this up. Some of you are going, what is this guy even talking about? But the point of this meeting, the point of God breathing on us here on a Wednesday night is, see, there is a moment where we all have to come to grips. And I'm just wondering, the question is, can, will you be enlisted for God's purpose for the world? Will you be enlisted in a moment for the work of the gospel going forward? The point of gathering here tonight of the Holy Spirit breathing on all of us is the work that he is enlisting us to do, the purpose to reach the world for Jesus. Make no mistake, after tonight, there is a job to do. After tonight, there is a moment where we just have to realize God is calling me to do something. The point of this message is not just agreement. The point of this message is action. It's a job description for us to even begin to understand. That's why it's so important. You know what? All of us here, we know somebody in our world that should be here tonight. The point of us living invitationally, as we call it, is to inspire our world to live for Jesus. There are still billions of people in our world that haven't heard the message of the gospel. Hundreds and thousands of people in Orange County alone that haven't experienced the power of the gospel. What does God purpose me for? Are you kidding? 
there's something that he, we all share. And it's, the beautiful thing is it's unique about all of us, but God has equipped you with the very thing that you need to inspire your world to live for Jesus. Why do we gather here tonight? This is just the start of something that we're building because we all of us know the power that if I can just open my life up to others and live invitationally, there are people that should be sitting in seat one and seat two and seat three near me. This is why groups matter. Because we believe in the power of living life together. And if my life has been changed, then I'm going to open up my home and I'm going to open up my calendar and I'm going to open up my life to others. This is why giving matters. Because I'm sowing into the testimonies that have yet to be written. Purpose? Man, this is why serving matters. It's because we're actually raising our hand and saying, I recognize I have a part to play in inspiring my world to live for Jesus. I've got a job to do and I'm just going to be someone that puts my hand up and says, God, use me. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I want to be someone that's in the mission. I want to be someone that's in the fight. I want to be someone that can put my hand up and say, you know what, whatever this looks like for my life, I'm just going to trust that God in his grace can use me despite my brokenness. And just maybe you can be the person that inspires your world to live for Jesus. Purpose is not just something we enjoy. It's something that we employ. We started talking about the Garden of Eden. I want to tell you that Adam's story, it didn't end well. See, he would fail in the garden. But fast forward, there was a man named Jesus. And Jesus, who Paul would call the second Adam, was tempted in a garden. But he passed. And because of the test that Jesus experienced, he has opened up the grace of God to all of us. And the grace of God is one, on one hand, it's a cause for joy. It's a cause for thanks. But it's also a commissioning. It's a moment where God even begins to breathe on us. See, where Adam failed in a garden, Jesus was faithful. John chapter 19, John chapter 20, after Jesus is raised from the dead, would go on to be crucified. He would take on the cross, our sin, our shame, our brokenness. The Bible says he became sin for us so that we could know the righteousness of God. It just is a word that means the right standing, a right relationship with God. This is what Jesus would do for us. He would be crucified, buried. Three days later, he would rise again. And on the third day, He rose from the grave. He appeared to his disciples. And the Bible actually gives us this interesting narrative because as you begin to unfold the story of the scriptures, and I'm I'm almost done. John chapter 20. There is a parallel that John writes in the gospel of John. It opens up with the same words that the Genesis story would open up with. And there's this parallel all through the gospel of John to the story of Genesis. At the very end of John's gospel, John chapter 20, verse 19, he writes this interesting detail. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, and Jesus again said, peace be with you. For as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In verse 22, he says this, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see the correlation to the Genesis story? Do you see the parallel? He sent them and the very equipping to which they would be sent, he breathed his Holy Spirit on them. I've taken about 25, 30 minutes to set up this one question for all of us young adults here tonight is, are you willing to take on the responsibility of the work of God in your generation? I'm intentionally being conversational. I'm intentionally being casual. If it was a Sunday morning, I would be shouting and screaming like a madman. The interesting thing about the Gospel of John is it says that the risen Jesus breathed on his disciples. And I want to know for us here tonight is if God can breathe on us, are you willing to take on the responsibility of the work of God in your generation? Are you willing to take on the responsibility of the work of God in your family? The responsibility of the work of God in your workplace or in your school? with your coworkers. We're talking about purpose tonight. Can I just clue you in on this moment? It comes down to this question. I don't know what it looks like for you, but are you willing to just put your hand up and take on the responsibility of the work of God? He breathes on you to get a job. Close with